0: morning church join with me as we read from first timothy chapter four for while bodily training is of some value godliness is of value in every way as it holds a promise for the present life and also for the life to come this is the word of god for the people of god amen Well, good morning. good morning. I mean, it's cool. You could say good morning. It's all right. Like, right. Uh, we're not going to have a conversation, not yet. Uh, my name is Marco. I serve as the preaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. Uh, it is a joy to be with y'all. Uh, I hope that you are doing well. In the event that you didn't hear Eric, we're going to find ourselves in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse... Verse 8, we're going to look a little bit at the second half of verse 7, but that will come uh, later in our time. While you open or load your Bible, I have a couple of things for you. The first one is that if you are new, uh, uh, we'd love to hang out with you today. We'd love to get you and hook you up with lunch. We have a, a new visitor's lunch happening right after service on the second floor and the purpose of this lunch is just to give you a snapshot of our story, our mission, and our values here at Storehouse McAllen. Uh, and so that's going to take place right after service. Obviously food is available and so is childcare. Uh, so please join us for that after service. In addition to that, we love God's Word. We love preaching from God's Word. Therefore, we love to gift God's Word. So if you don't have a Bible, let us hook you up with one. It's in the Connect Desk. Uh, that is our gift to you, and please take one with you on the way out. And that's all I got as far as updates. Let's dig into our time. Uh, If you haven't been around over the last five weeks, we have been walking through this series on stewardship and the need to apply wisdom as stewards to everything that God has gifted us with and entrusted us with. This has involved everything from first understanding our need to cultivate wisdom and then applying it in the contexts of time, uh, skills, and gifting, and money, as Pastor Jeff preached on last week, and he did a wonderful job. We have two weeks left in this series, including today, and this morning we're going to examine the stewardship of our health, that is specifically our physical health. Now, I'm not aware of of any churches that, that preach on health out of God's Word. I'm not saying they don't exist. I've just, I've never heard a sermon preached on physical health. I've read articles and I've read blogs from reputable pastors and teachers, but not a sermon. So we'll see how this goes. But here's why I think it's important to cover health in our series on stewardship. Throughout our time, I have noted that when it comes to stewardship, it usually tends to be a matter that only involves money. And while that's true, at least in part, I hope that you have seen throughout this series on stewardship, that it actually, stewardship that is, affects every part of our life, not simply our money. Our health is no different. We have been given these bodies to steward. And even saying that, there are so many different facets of arguments that are out there that the Christian must consider something incredibly important. That if this is a body that we have been given to steward, then this body is not ours but it belongs to the one who created and gifted us with this body. And that is a hard line to make in light of political or social convictions, but also concerning body image. So before we look at our text, I want to preface with two things this morning. The first is that this is not a how-to sermon on getting healthy. The second is that this is not a sermon that will have tips and tricks for physical fitness. That's what books and trainers and coaches and doctors and YouTube are for. Our time is going to be spent looking at 1 Timothy 4 from a 100,000-foot view, and your role will be to apply biblical wisdom to whatever the Holy Spirit convicts you of. My desire is for us to see that the stewardship of our health, here's the main idea. My desire is for us to see that the stewardship of our health is not simply for physical benefits, but for the purpose of godliness and fruitfulness and the promises of God for you. So with that being said, let me pray. And then we will dig into this one verse. Lord, as we begin our time in your word this morning, let me begin by praising you for a day that is filled with your mercy. A day that has been filled already with you pouring out your grace onto us. A day that is filled with your kindness, with beautiful sunshine and 40 degree weather. God, we praise you for today. God, as days like today often uh, stir our hearts, um, may we reflect on our week, and may we submit and confess our sins to you as a church. And in so doing, Holy Spirit, would you aid us and strengthen us to be sober-minded this morning as we examine your word? God, throughout this series, we have asked you for wisdom. Your word tells us to ask you for wisdom, only to ask in faith. Therefore, we ask for wisdom this morning. We ask for wisdom so that we would apply it to our lives in the context of health, for your glory and our good. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would not only be present that we know you are, but that you would be at work in us, stirring our hearts not simply for emotion and affection, but stirring our hearts so that we would pursue godliness and fruitfulness and the promises of God for us. We thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. Well, as we look to 1 Timothy 4, uh, as we've been doing over the course of the last couple of weeks, let us begin with the context of what Paul has been already telling young Timothy. In the event that you haven't read this epistle or this letter, Timothy is a young pastor in the city of Ephesus. And Paul writes to him on the urgency excuse me on the urgency of order in the church primarily in the contexts of church leadership gospel centered preaching and a variety of other challenges that Timothy is to look out for and be on guard about In chapter 4, Paul urges Timothy on the pursuit of godliness, specifically in the area of sound doctrine. So if you have your Bibles open, you can look up to verse 6, and here's what Paul tells Timothy. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Paul's aim is that he would be grounded in sound doctrine. This will keep young Timothy sharp and aware of what is happening around him, how to best lead his congregation, and also for the purpose of defending the gospel because there were already those who were beginning to spread false gospels and false messages around him. And it's at this point that we arrive to verse eight, and I told you we're gonna look very briefly at the ending of verse seven. This is where Paul gives Timothy and us through the Holy Spirit some insight. Let me repeat that. Some insight on the stewardship of our physical health. Here's what Paul writes beginning at the end of verse 7 and launching right into verse 8. He says, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily Uh, bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. At the end of verse 7, the word train is used with the imagery of an athlete training for competition. When an athlete trains for competition, they undergo toil and struggle and endurance in uh, in their training, all so that they would be complete in the pursuit of their sport, so that they would be ready to compete in whatever sport they're training for. So when Paul tells Timothy to train, there is in part a push towards stewardship, You see, an athlete is responsible for their training. They need to wake up early. They need to eat their meals. They need to stay hydrated. They need to receive adequate sleep for recovery so that they can train with intensity and purpose. The nature of this language from Paul to Timothy is Paul telling Timothy that he must be a good steward of his training in the word of God. That's what Paul is getting at when he says rather train yourself for godliness, he is saying I want you to put effort, I want you to train like an athlete when it comes to godliness. And Paul says this twice, once in verse seven and then again in verse eight. So this emphasis on godliness is Paul telling Timothy to be more like Jesus, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit as he spends time and soaks in the word of God and as he leads his congregation well. Paul is telling Timothy to train for godliness, not to train just for the purpose of training with no end in sight. See, the purpose of his training is godliness, and the purpose of Timothy's ministry is a charge of love, a love that comes from a pure heart, a pure conscience, and a sincere faith. That's 1 Timothy 1, verse 5. Many would argue that that is the summary of the entire letter. Paul urges Timothy to train for godliness for two reasons, and it's at the end of verse 8. The first is that as he trains for godliness, it holds promise for the present life. Secondly, as he trains for godliness, it it helps him train for the life to come. And we're going to talk about those two things in a moment so that's in brevity that is the context of first timothy 4. but i want you to notice something paul adds this little comment in verse 8. paul says bodily training being of some value and this is where we're going to park our time this is an exposition on the word some Okay. I want you to notice that Paul does not say that bodily training has no value, but it has some value. And this is not unique to the Apostle Paul. To Timothy on several occasions in First and 2 Timothy, he uses the imagery of an athlete training and competing. He does this with the Corinthians, with the Romans, the Colossians, the Philippians. Paul presses this kind of imagery on those whom he's writing to. And maybe he does so because Paul was a sports fan. Isn't the, what's today? Super Bowl. That, right? So, that, like, maybe he's a sports fan, right? Or maybe Paul simply saw the value of stewarding our physical health. Whatever the case is, what I want to do today is put some weight on the word some. But before doing so, you and I need to understand, okay, in the context of verse 8, you and I need to understand that if we had to choose between training for spiritual health and physical health, we should all choose training for spiritual health. Okay, I'm going to make that, I'm going to put that right at the front, Okay. If you had the choice between spiritual health and physical health, we are to train for, or for spiritual health. However, I want to argue and make the case that our physical health should still be of some conviction. That is, if we train for spiritual health, then that would imply that we are being shaped by the gospel. And if we are to desire to be fruitful with our body and our lives, then that should lead to some degree of stewardship and care for our physical health. Because after all, even these bodies that are not our own are temples of the Holy Spirit. So let us consider a couple of questions for our time. We've been knocking out three questions every sermon. We're going to do that here again. We're going to look at what is the purpose of stewarding our health? Why should we steward our health? And then how do we best steward our health? Let's begin with the first question. What is the purpose of stewarding our health? Well, we steward our health for the purpose of godliness, That is, with the intention of growing in obedience and striving for holiness in Christ. Godliness is cultivated through spiritual disciplines. But those spiritual disciplines ought to pour out of us practically in the everyday. Otherwise, spiritual disciplines are simply running tasks. Godliness is produced as we walk in the promises we've received by God through faith in Jesus. That is what Paul meant when he said that godliness is for the present life. That we walk in the promises that we have received by faith in Jesus. And so godliness begins to unpack itself in a variety of ways as it pertains to our physical health. The first is, as we pursue, as we steward, let me say it this way, as we steward our physical health and pursue godliness, one of the results is sober-mindedness. When we steward our physical health, we are more sober-minded, both in receiving God's word and applying wisdom towards our everyday decisions. The medical community will preach that if we do not care for our physical health, it can impede our ability for sound judgment. And in the context of godliness, if we are not sober minded, we run the risk of making unwise decisions or sinful decisions. Listen to the uh, the Puritan Jonathan Edwards. Here's what he writes by sparingness in diet, and eating as much as may be what is light and easy of digestion, I shall doubtless be able to think more clearly and shall gain time. So this is his conviction, this is what he's saying. When he chooses to eat certain foods, not only do they digest better for him, but what's more important is that he's able to be sober-minded, and he is able to be productive. I'm not telling you to do this, but there is conviction from Him to be primarily sober-minded, to be of sound judgment, to not be enslaved. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Sober-mindedness leads to self-control. Self-control is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit as we saw in Galatians 5. Self-control ties in with being sober-minded. It's not simply abstaining from certain things, but knowing why you're abstaining from them. In the case of Jonathan Edwards, and in our case, when it comes to being sober-minded, when it comes to exercising self-control, we more intensely fight enslavement. We fight idolatry. Pastor John Piper once said this, people are unhealthy because they're enslaved. That's a loaded statement. And clearly there would be uh, a need to unpack it all so that we would best understand what he means. But for now, I want you to consider that statement. People are unhealthy because they're enslaved. There is some truth to that statement, a little bit. There's some truth to that statement. On many occasions, people are not healthy, or Christians, more specifically, are not healthy, or they do not steward their physical health because they're enslaved. What do we mean by that? That could mean that they are enslaved to unhealthy nutrition, or laziness, or a lack of productivity. It could also mean that the Christian is enslaved to body image, the pursuit of the perfect body with perfect health. You have been at HEB and you get into the cashier lane and you see the magazines. Ten tips for this to receive optimal health. Ten tips for that, for the perfect body. If you don't look this way, this is what they're going to think of you. And so what is it that ends up happening and what is it that we can reflect on? People spend thousands upon thousands upon billions upon billions of dollars in the area of physical health because they're pursuing the perfect body, the perfect health. As a result, people spend uh, enormous amounts of money on cosmetics or various gym memberships. Or we see the rise of eating disorders where people will choose not to eat so that they can look a certain way, right? So you might think of like maybe anorexia nervosa. Have you heard of reverse anorexia nervosa or bigorexia? That's something commonly found in bodybuilders right? Bodybuilders have the same kind of mindset in the sense that they believe that they're not aesthetically pleasing or symmetrical or that they're not big enough. So they keep on adding more and more muscle. It is the pursuit of uh, the perfect body with perfect health. And if these examples are true, which I think they are, then it's not entirely dismissive to say that when we steward our physical health, yes, We are trying to stay or become sober-minded and exercise self-control, but primarily it is so that we would fight idolatry and enslavement. To the Corinthians, Paul says it this way. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So in the context of physical health, that would be a good question. Are you dominated by something? Are you dominated by, I don't know, poor nutrition, laziness, a lack of productivity? Are you dominated by chasing after the perfect body? Are you dominated by fitness and physical health? Physical health applies to growth and godliness. And so here's what I want you to know. God cares about your physical health. He cares when you hit a new PR. He cares when you have a cold and it stinks and you're not able to get it out of bed, right? He cares when you're trying to be healthy. He cares about all of those things. But I want you to know this. He cares about all of that in all forms and circumstances, but he cares infinitely more about your soul. Is there anything that you're enslaved to? Number two, that was one, that was godliness. Number two is faithfulness. See, we steward our physical health for the purpose of faithfulness. In short, here's here's what I mean that we bear fruit with our lives. In whatever God has called you to, not only do I pray that you do it for the joy and the glory of God, but I also pray that you would be fruitful in that endeavor. Maybe you have begun to take your physical health seriously, and whatever that means, I want you to know that honors God, and that's a big deal for you, and I hope that you are fruitful. Fruitful in that not only are you being physically transformed, but more importantly, internally transformed. That as a result, you are fighting idolatry, refusing to be enslaved, growing in self-control and in godliness, so that most, most importantly, Jesus would be seen through you. That the purpose of fruitfulness, that the purpose of godliness is that you would make Jesus known. I know that there can be a lot of what-ifs to the things I've mentioned, and I know that I won't be able to answer all of them or tackle all of them here. But let me provide you with three realities concerning the stewardship of our health that we must consider and come to terms with as believers. The first one is this. The fall, that's Genesis 3, the fall has affected our physical health. As a result, death and disease exist until glory with Christ. That is just... A truth. That is a biblical truth. We have seen it ourselves or even heard stories centered around the healthy person dying young and the unhealthy person living a life of longevity. Disease plagues us. Therefore, we are limited in our pursuits. Prosperity preachers and teachers won't say that. They will tell you to ask for health. And if you have a certain degree of faith, you will be very healthy. You will live a very long life. Well, what happens if you don't? What happens with your theology of death when that doesn't happen? When Paul tells Timothy godliness affects our present life and in the one to come, this is what he means by the one to come. See, the reality of this first reason is that we will not obtain perfection in this life. We will be limited. Therefore, we must be on guard against idolatry. And most importantly, Jesus must be at the center of who we are as we eagerly await His return. Here's how Paul says it to the Romans. And by the way, we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture today. Here's what he says. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Just as creation waits for the coming of the Lord, we groan with creation as we eagerly await the return of Christ. The second reality, physical health is secondary to the kingdom of God. Physical health, as Paul says, bodily training is of some value. But it is the kingdom of God that we seek. To his disciples, Jesus said, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For if the Gentiles, those who do not know God, seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What is of most importance is the kingdom of God. Knowing God making him known. The third reality. We, you and I, should desire to live a long life. That's cool. But for the purpose of fruitfulness. Not just to say we can live it. But for the purpose of fruitfulness. Knowing God and making God known. To the philippians paul says it this way for to me to live is christ and to die is gain if i am to live in the flesh that means fruitful labor for me yet which i shall choose i cannot tell i am hard pressed between the two my desire is to depart and to be with christ for that is far better but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account You should desire to live a long life, but we should desire to live a long life for the purpose of fruitfulness. That is the purpose that stewarding our physical health serves. Godliness and fruitfulness. Next question. Why should we steward our health? Some of these are gonna come out of what we just discussed but I think they're still applicable. And I'll dive right into them. The first reason as to why we should steward our health is for the sake of advancing the gospel. See, when it comes to our health, if we are stewarding it well, it's not simply for the sake of fitness, but flourishment. Our desire should be to not only know God, but to make him known physical health is often seen as a personal or a private issue but in reality it's a heart issue therefore if the kingdom that the kingdom of god is of most important to us then it is the gospel that we wish to advance not our own glory therefore we must always be ready in and out of season in John 4, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And the disciples urge him saying, Rabbi, eat. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone bought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food, my nourishment, My sustenance, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. It's not that Jesus didn't eat, but what gave him sustenance, what helped him flourish, the thing that he was here to do was to do the will of the Father. The kingdom was of priority. The gospel advancing is of priority. People coming to know Jesus, being forgiven of their sins as they repent and put their trust in Jesus is the priority. The gospel is the priority. Number two, bringing glory to God. Again, our bodies are not our own. Therefore, when we steward and honor our bodies, we bring God all the glory. Listen to Paul once more. This is 1 Corinthians 6 or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god you are not your own for you were bought with a price so glorify god in your body now the context of 1 corinthians 6 is sexual immorality but the principle still applies we are not our own And in that, not only did God create us, not only does the Holy Spirit reside in us, but He does so as a result of what Jesus has done for you. The Holy Spirit resides in your body as a result of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Namely, that He went and bore your sin in your behalf so that you would be forgiven and redeemed. That is the nature of his resurrection and you are the fruit of his resurrection. Number three, humility. That one might be a weird one. Why should we steward our health? Well, for humility's sake. See, when we steward our health, it produces humility. How does it produce humility? Well, You should uh, be humbled very quickly when you realize that you can't do it all, or that you're not as strong as you thought you were, or that you can't keep going and you need sleep. About a third of our lives will be spent sleeping. That is God's way of telling you, you can't do it all because you're not God. Like sleep, sleep is amazing. Like this is just okay, amen to that. Right? Like sleep is amazing, right? It's also humbling. You can't keep going. You need it at some point. Or if you are in poor health or you don't steward your health in a way that maybe you should. It's humbling because you may realize that you actually need help. It's humbling because Realizing that you need help means receiving care and wisdom on what to do for your health and longevity. Humility in physical health reminds us that we are not God and that we need to stop trying to be Him. The aim is not fitness, but fruitfulness, not gains, but godliness. Number four. Why do we steward our health? For holistic reasons. It's very practical. This is straight out of the medical community. One article writes physical health problems significantly increase our risk of developing mental health problems, and vice versa. Nearly one in three people with a long term physical health condition also has a mental health problem, most often, depression or anxiety. Simply, when you steward your physical health, you steward other areas of your body and life. That that seems kind of simple. When you steward your physical health, you steward other areas of your body and your life. To a group of pastors, Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century Baptist preacher, said this. The condition of your body must be attended to. A little more... Common sense would be a great gain to some who are ultra spiritual and attribute all their moods of feeling to some supernatural cause when the real reason lies far near at hand. Has it not often happened that dyspepsia or indigestion has been mistaken for backsliding and bad digestion digestion has been set down as a hard heart? Here's what what good old Charlie Spurge means, right? Right? He's saying there are some Christians who are super spiritual about what's happening to their bodies. Right? They might even say things like, man, it is a sin issue. Something is really going on. I've been backsliding. I'm in a season of sin. And what Spurgeon is saying is maybe or maybe you just need to go for a swim. Some people might even go really, really big distance and I'm not knocking this, but let's just be honest. Sometimes people say, man, my body feels X, Y, and Z. There must be a demon. Like, no, you just need to go on a diet. I'm Just saying, man, look like sometimes it's not really that hyper spiritual. Sometimes you just need to go for a walk. There's this scene in parks and rec. And all it's the, it's called the citizens of Pawnee. <clears throat> if you haven't watched the show, uh, don't worry about it. <clears throat> and uh, and Ann Perkins, who is like the town nurse, she's answering questions on health. And this and she's talking about uh, it's high, what is it? High uh, fructose corn syrup, whatever. And she's talking about the 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 really bad uh, results that happen with that kind of sweetness. And this one lady comes up and she says, is it really that bad for you? I've been eating muffins and pasta all of my life and I feel terrible every day. <laughs> right? Right? It's just like snoring to get into some people's head. Right? Like the, the issue, it's like, uh, you know, is it, is it spiritual? Like, no, you just, you probably just need to go for a swim. Some, some Christians like are wondering so much about, man, what is really happening? Which you, instead of wandering, you should go for a walk. Right? Or go get counseling. I don't know. But that's what Charles Spurgeon means in this quote. Don't make it to be so spiritual. Maybe there's things that you need to address, but what happens when you address them and you are still unhealthy? Right? Now, that's the context of eating and all that. But nevertheless... We steward our physical health not simply for the sake of of fitness, but fruitfulness in the Gospel through mission, through the glory of God, so that we would produce humility and holistic stewardship so that other areas of our life would be taken care of. And finally, the last question. Maybe some of you are ready for this practical stuff. How do we steward our health? Right? Some of you may know what to do, some of you are ready to receive the insightful tips, but let me remind you again. I am not your coach, I'm your pastor. I'm not your trainer, I'm simply your brother in Christ. I am not your doctor, I'm simply a friend. And I am certainly not your therapist. I'm simply a dude trying to point you to Jesus. Make that very clear. In an effort to steward our health, here's what I would say. Number one, pursue godliness. That is the most important endeavor we can pursue. That's the ultimate goal for this life and the next. That's what Paul is telling Timothy in chapter 4. When we pursue godliness, we strive to become more like Jesus as we are conformed into His image. And as that takes place, that means that we are being shaped by the gospel. That is, we're being shaped by the promises of God for us through faith in Jesus it should lead you that is being shaped by the gospel it should lead you to consider how you have or haven't been stewarding your health and from there it leads to number two apply wisdom and it's not really that special of a reason because I've been repeating that reason since week one in this series That we must apply wisdom if we are to be good stewards of whatever it is God has gifted us with or entrusted us with. This entire series has been about applying wisdom in order to be a good and faithful steward. And so how do we apply wisdom? You guys remember it was three things. The first one is the fear of God. It is recognizing that God is who He says He is and you are not Him. That is the fear of God. The second one is searching the scriptures, not for tips and tricks on fitness, but so that you would grow in godliness and be enamored by the beauty of Jesus and his work for you because of who you now are, because you are no longer enslaved but redeemed. And then the third thing as applying wisdom is seeking counsel. Now that is the one we don't necessarily like. Yeah, yeah, I'll receive counsel on Instagram. The reason we don't like to receive counsel is because it may be humbling. It may expose our hearts. It may expose our hearts to consider that we need to start doing something different or that we need to help others and we just don't want to. The purpose of receiving counsel is for the purpose of growing in godliness. And that includes in the midst of repentance. Maybe you should go for a walk. I don't know. Maybe you should just go get a nap in. Maybe you should play with your children. Maybe you should ask for help. Maybe you should go see your doctor. Whatever the case is, you need counsel so that you better know how to be a steward of your health. Personally, I am already prone and struggle with depression, anxiety, and discouragement. For me, I'm not telling you to do this, I'm telling you, me, I like to lift weights. It's a wonderful outlet in more ways than just being physically strong. I don't compete, I don't want to compete. I don't care about competing, but I love being able to sleep through the night and not have heart palpitations. I love being present with my family, and I love being present and available for our church. I don't know what your thing is. But the goal here is godliness, not gains. Fruitfulness, not fitness. We steward our physical health best as we pursue godliness and seek wisdom as you can see and we'll wrap it up here as you can see we have looked at the stewardship of our physical health from a pretty high view of first timothy 4. the bible doesn't really teach a lot about health and exercise i mean to a degree it was kind of implied because of the people it was being written to farmers and fishermen people who are outside and doing all sorts of labor nevertheless as we pursue godliness we can apply wisdom to our health is it sinful to not go for a walk i don't think so but it can be sinful if your health is affecting your walk with the lord your presence with your family and whether or not you are of sober mind is it sinful to go to the gym several times a week I don't think so. But when you willingly refuse and withhold the grace of God to others, because your set is up, I think you're running the risk of idolatry. Are there things that keep you from going on a walk? Are there things that keep you from being in a gym? Probably. But the priority is godliness and fruitfulness, not gains and fitness. So keep your eyes on the Lord. Walk in the promises of God for you through Jesus. Paul knew that. In 2 Corinthians 10, he writes about what they, other people, were saying about him. Paul says, uh, I don't think this is up on the screen. This is 2 Corinthians 10.10. 10. Paul says, for they, the people talking smack, he says, for they for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. So Paul like admits it. He's like, yeah, I have some really strong letters. I got some things to say. And yeah, man, I'm short and my speech isn't that great. But what was Paul's primary concern? Advancing the gospel. Seeing people's lives transformed as individuals put their faith in Christ Jesus. Right? So church, as we close, Christian, the follower of Jesus, are you enslaved? Are you enslaved by the purest form of physical health? Are you enslaved by a lack of physical health or a political view of physical health? Is whatever you may be enslaved to keeping you from pursuing godliness and seeing the beauty of Jesus? You were bought with a price, redeemed internally that is that you received a new heart, redeemed internally, so that the external would then be affected by what Christ has done for you. God cares about your physical health, but he cares infinitely more about your soul. So this morning, turn to him. Let me invite you to repent and receive the promise of his grace so that you may walk in his grace again and again and again. And if you don't know Jesus, I love that you're here. I say that every week, because I do. You may be enslaved. In fact, the Bible would say that if you do not know Jesus, then you are enslaved. And the only way to true freedom is through surrender. And I know that surrender requires vulnerability. But I can promise you at least this. Jesus doesn't dismiss that. In fact, He meets you where you are. And in return for your surrender of His Lordship, you receive the forgiveness of sins and a new heart with the new desires and a renewed mind. Let me invite you to repent and trust in Him. Church, the stewardship of of our health is not simply for physical benefits, but for the purpose of godliness and fruitfulness in the promises of God for you. Let's pray. Father, we, we confess to you our sins. We confess that the sins that no one knows about and the sins that everyone knows. We confess that our sin is a burden to us. And those that are not a burden to us are not a burden because we have grown used to them. Father, we confess that there are moments and seasons where we willingly enslave ourselves to idols. We confess this before you as a church. Father, please forgive us. Send the Holy Spirit to us that he may be our light in the midst of the darkness we're tempted to indulge in. Our health is important to You so that we would flourish in godliness, fruitfulness, holiness, and grace. But in truth, the health of our souls is infinitely more important to You. May that be the grace we receive from You today. May Your grace pour out onto us This morning, so that we would walk in your light for your glory and our good. May the meditation of our heart and the words of our mouth be pleasing to you this morning. Amen.